podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. I am I am a Cajun from Louisiana. I live in Arkansas. A Cajun is pretty much somebody that will eat anything that lives in a ditch. And uh, anybody like crawfish? Okay, two, two people. I, I'm glad to meet you. And, um, but I, I did move to Arkansas, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do this ministry thing. I, I want to I wanna hit the tape. I want to I wanna finish strong. I, I, I don't, I don't want to destroy uh, the church. I don't want to hurt people. But here's what I've learned, that I am, I am incredibly gifted to fake my relationship with God. And it's not a gift from heaven. And way too many of us, the early church, the Bible says that they ate together and they met together with glad and sincere hearts. I've never met a Christian yet that loved to be around people who were faking their relationship with God. But the Lord doesn't like it either. And what I like the most about this church is those stories, man. They got up here and they took their heart out. And I'm telling you, this, this is what God is wanting to do. But here's the problem. Many times after you give your heart to the Lord, I'm sure it's happened with George and some of the other speakers. They've gotten before God and they did this. This, this is where some of you are right now. And I just want to challenge this prayer because this prayer is not enough. And the prayer is, God, do something in my life. That sounds so good. Like, God, do something in my life. Lord, do something in my life. But here's the truth of the matter. It's your move. He's already made some big moves. How many are thankful for the move of God that he made? And it's your move. But here's the reason why I, I hesitate. Here's the reason why I almost didn't even give my heart to the Lord completely. Here's the reason why I almost didn't get into the ministry. Well, I didn't want to move to Arkansas because I grew up in a church that was nothing like this church. The church that I grew up in, there were mean people there. It was like a prerequisite to go to that church. You had to hate people. That's the church I grew up in. It's very judgmental. The meanest person in the church was my Sunday school teacher and her finger was 30 foot long. And I know because that was the dimensions of the class. And she would point at me and she would say, she talked like a man, like a man who smoked a lot. And she said, hell is hot, hot. And you're going to hell. That's what she told me every Sunday. And as eight years old, that's tough. She talked about hell like she was born and raised in hell. One time she said, don't you want to go to heaven? And I said, not if you're going to be there. I don't want to go. Okay, so it's funny. It's funny. But here's the truth. I never knew God wanted me around. I thought he hated me. When my mom and dad went through a divorce when I was in junior high, I thought it was my fault. Every time I had a pain in my side, I thought God's trying to kill me. It's probably cancer. I mean, I remember looking at, but looking back, I can remember these moments. So... I always was trying to get out of the church and out of the presence of God because I thought God didn't like me. 
You know, I don't know where you are right now in your relationship with the Lord, but the Lord loves you. He loves being around. He wants you in, not out. So I don't know what's holding you back, but some of you, the way that you live your life, you, you, you're still dry. And God is wanting to use you. I want you to stretch the way that you dream. How many of you, when you drive a car and your tank gets to about a half a tank, because you're so OCD, you have to get fuel. You just got, how, how many of you, okay? Two, three, these people are so organized. We, we hate these people, right? Okay, they just got it together. They're too good at life. How many of you, you're more of a quarter of a tank? But how many of you, you wait until, wait, don't put your hand up. Wait, wait, Pastor, wait, wait. How many, how many of you, you wait? until it is empty and that wait i'm not there yet you don't even get you don't even get fuel that fast you wait until the light comes on and that wait and then you know how many miles past that because you measured this thing you did a lot of work to know about that and then a few miles past that and then you get gas how many i've seen some of you on the side of the road i've seen Hey, it's when you're on the side of the road and everybody starts passing you by, that, that's, that's a horrible feeling. And some of you, it's like right now, spiritually, in this church, on that dream team, it's like you're on the side of the road and everybody's going faster than they've ever gone. In fact, it shakes you when they drive by. You get mad at them for driving so fast because you're empty. And I understand what created me and my emptiness. It was that I thought that God didn't love me. So I was constantly trying to fix my life so I could someday go and serve God. But, but I know this for a fact. Many of you have made huge mistakes. And God is great at forgiving people. He will blow you away by his forgiveness. And we're all sinners. We all need the grace of God. Can I have an amen on that? None of you are perfect. And if you think you're perfect, nobody likes you. We all have issues. And if you don't think you have an issue, that is your issue. How many of you have ever stole anything? Come on in your life. Look at the thief. A church ink pen? Anything. How many many of you have ever lied before? If you don't raise your hand, you're lying now and God will kill you. This is church. How many of you ever procrastinated too much? The real procrastinators will raise their hand later. Like all of a sudden, their hand will go up. And when we make mistakes, a lot of times we kick ourselves out instead of running in. It's the time we're running away from God is when we need to be running to him as fast as we can. So look at this passage of scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. It says, therefore, brothers. This is talking to the women and the brothers. Unless they're not submissive. No, I'm kidding. Okay, that was, that was bad, bad preaching earlier. So, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence. Everybody say confidence. Come on, say it with confidence. Way too many of you, you have no confidence with your relationship with God. I can talk about your hobby and you step it up. You like, you got, you just all of a sudden, I can see the swag in you. I talk to you about the Spirit of God, and you can't even look in someone's eyes. We're getting that back tonight. Okay? 
to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, here's the text right here. I'm going to talk to you about be real because fake is exhausting. All right, here's the verse. How do you, if it's your move, what's the move? This is the move right here. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Having a heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. We're going to rip that up, a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Amen? All right, to set this up, I've got four kids, and uh, I've, I've raised them. We're now empty nests. We've been empty nests since October of last year. And uh, when you're raising your kids, how many of you are raising kids right now? It's hard to raise kids. It's not cake. And so there are times where you just tell them something like a tip of the day, like, don't forget, close the door, or something like that. Or don't forget your shoes. Kids always leave their shoes all over the city. Don't forget your shoes. And uh, don't slap your sister, that kind of stuff. But there are other times where you need to tell them something that'll save their life. And you call them over and you grab, you're going to grab them by the face. You're going to do it. And you just grab them by the face. And just, do you want me to do to you what I did to your brother? I don't have a brother. See, you want me to do that? And you, you, you want them to get it. I believe on this subject of being real. God is grabbing you by the face, and he's saying, come on, you got to get this. Because God wants you to learn ahead of time. If you love your kids, you don't want them to learn after the fact. You don't say, hey, you're four years old today. Uh, I want to teach you some stuff. And uh, so I've preheated this stove. And uh, see how hot it is. It, see, it, it looks, it's red. Take your finger and just touch it real quick. See how you did that? Don't ever do that again. That's bad. It hurts. Don't do it. Now take that saint. Get up. Stop crying. Get up. See that outlet? Lick your finger, the one you hold it. Now stick it a little deep. See how, see how it zapped you? Don't ever do that. That's enough for today. Tomorrow, I'm going to teach you about traffic. Okay, you don't raise your kids that way because you want them to learn ahead of time. So here's some things that we can learn ahead of time. Number one, it's your move to have confidence in your approach to God. I read earlier about this condemnation. Paul said this in Romans 8. I'm going to skip some of these verses, but in Romans chapter 8, he says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's good news, right? Okay, but here's the problem. There's a lot of condemnation for people who are in Christ Jesus. So is the Bible wrong? No chance. Condemnation is illegally attached to you. And and if I were to go to you, here's the reason why a lot of you live this way, is because you don't know the difference between conviction and condemnation. If I were to ask you to write the difference, and some of you would say, well, I don't really know what it is. Because I've done this. And I have people in my office. I'm a pastor that loves people. And uh, just like your pastor, 
We were to get, we were just going to have lunch today. We ended up riding around the city. We're just talking about God and family and, and church. So when I have people in my office, this is what people tell me. They say, Rick, I believe God loves me. But there's one or two things that have happened in my life, and I don't know if God could ever forgive me for those things. Okay, that right there is causing you to pivot away from God instead of toward him. Because when you think that God has forgiven you, but not for everything, it's like you're saying the cross was amazing, but it wasn't quite enough. So if I were to ask you the difference in condemnation and conviction, you wouldn't know. So I want to tell you, condemnation, it shows up when you blew it. Like if you lost your temper today at three o'clock, condemnation swoops in and it says, see how you are? You're not right with God. How dare you say you're a Christian when you lose your temper the way you do? Condemnation is from the enemy and it shows up in your weakest moment and it will leave you there to die and rot there. Conviction shows up in the same scene. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. You can't get right with God intellectually when you want to. You can only get right with God when you're convicted by the Holy Spirit. And he shows up on the same scene. He says, see how you're losing? Listen, we got to go to the Father. The Father can help you with this. We got it. We're going to make this weakness something strong. We're going to turn this thing around, but we got to go to the Father. All of my life, I fight this condemnation thing, and I, and I hate it. There was this woman in the Bible, her name, she, she was, we kind of just throw this at her, is the woman who was caught in adultery. Check out this story. The, the religious people were involved in this, similar to my Sunday school teacher. And then Jesus was involved. And listen, the goal was identical. The religious people and Jesus had the exact same goal. It was for her to sin no more. The way they wanted to do it was to condemn her, kill her. And the way Jesus wanted her to sin no more was to forgive her. So they get her. She's probably naked, caught in adultery, thrown in the ground. Everybody around knew that she was going to die. That was the law. So they said, Jesus, we got we to kill this girl. And Jesus said, Jesus is so cool. How many love Jesus, man? And he just said, he goes, he goes you're right. We're going to have to kill her. He said, let's kill her. He said, he said, but let's do it this way. Let's let the one who's without sin throw the first rock. And then he starts writing on the ground. We don't know what he wrote, but we really want to know. <laughs> Billy Graham said it's the only sermon Jesus ever wrote. And he's just writing on the ground. And they're looking like, busted, busted, bust. So they start dropping their rocks and they walk away. And this woman who's in a fetal position, she's just trying to say, I'm going to die. I just want to hurt as little as possible. And then Jesus says, ma'am, get up. And he looks into her eye. And this is where a lot of you need to get, or you're never going to be real. And he said, now, woman, where are those that condemn you now? And she's like, was having a really bad day, and now it's like really turning good. And she says, they're not here, they're gone. And he goes, and neither do I condemn you. Now, here's the best part. Now, you go, but sin no more. 
Okay, there's no way that lady went back into adultery. Because nothing can compete with looking into the eyes of God and being forgiven. That's as high as it gets. But if Jesus would say, get up, you trashy thing. Look at you. You lucky I'm talking to you. I'm Jesus. Now you get up. Now you get out. Get your nasty self out of here and go back. Now sin no more. (laughs) She would have went right back into a lifestyle of sin. And this is the reason why the cycle... You think about these heroes of the faith. I want you to think about some of these. Look, this we got Jonah. When he was called by God, he ran into the exact opposite direction where God called him to be. Because he was afraid because he didn't he didn't have the love. He what, what about Noah? Yeah, he built a big boat, but he ended up being the father of all drunks. What about Abraham? God showed up when he was 100 years old and he promised him when he was young, you're going to have a lot of kids, like a lot of kids. And year after year, at one point, he gave up and went to plan B. Who was a monumental mess. We could talk about that. But, but then now he's back with God and the Lord says he's 100 and his wife is 100. He says, go to babies or us. It's time. We're going to have some kids. 100. That's nasty. Think about that. All right, then you got people like Moses. Think about Moses. He was the one who got the Ten Commandments on top of the mountain. Don't you think he read them? I go like this. Yes. But he still carried them down. And one of them said, thou shalt not commit murder. And he had killed an Egyptian with a knife. But he still carried them down. If it would have been me, I would have said, and here are the Nine Commandments. I'd have kicked that one out. I know I would have. What about Isaac? That, he was a daydreamer. Jacob, he was a liar. What about Rahab? She was a prostitute. Samson, he liked prostitutes. You have David, who was a man after God's own heart, but he committed adultery and covered it with murder. It was the season when he was under so much guilt, he finally just said, Hark, please give me back the joy of my salvation. I can't take this condemnation. Renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence. He's just pleading with God because condemnation is heavy. What about Peter and Judas? Uh, we, We know that both of these guys blew it. What they did was not that much different. And one of them just totally got condemned and was going back to fishing. And the other one was so condemned he killed himself. One betrayed, the other denied. When Jesus rose from the dead, what did he do? See, this is what happens. When you give up on who you are, he doesn't give up on who you can be. And this, Jesus rose from the dead and he told the ladies, he said, go get the disciples. And then interesting, he throws this in there. He says, oh yeah, and get Peter too. Why did he say get Peter too? Because Peter, if he would have heard that call, he would have said, well, I used to be a disciple. I blew it. And here's what I want to challenge you. I believe if Judas would have not committed suicide, I believe Jesus would say, hey, go get my boys and get Peter. And please don't forget Judas. So I don't know where you are, but I'm telling you, nothing is as good as being around the presence of God. Nothing is as good as that. Stop running. Stop running. My son, when he was about five years old, he had never caught a fish. So I took him fishing. And I'm um, just trying to emphasize this point. We're out there and I, 
I'm very aggressive, ambitious. If I'm doing sports, I want to win. So we weren't catching anything. So I just trying harder, getting a little mad. My son didn't care. He just went and started throwing rocks. He was having a blast. I said, well, whatever, loser. And uh, so I just kept trying. And then when he wasn't looking, I caught a fish. So I was like, I reeled it in real fast. I took it off, off my hook, put it on his hook, and I let it out. And I said, this is where it gets a little manipulative, I'll admit. I say, Hunter, uh, I think if you come back, they're going to probably start biting soon. And the Lord showed me all that. So he came back over and he grabbed his rod. And dad, 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 it's amazing. And he really, he had a fish jumping up and down. So the next day I said, Hunter, what did we do yesterday? He said, we went fishing. I said, well, did we catch anything? He said, well, you did. And you took it off the hook and you put it on my hook. I said, Hunter, you knew that the whole time? He said, yes, sir. I said, well, how come you act so happy? He said, Dad, I was happy because I was with you. All the ladies. (laughs) It's your move. It's also your move to dream dreams again. Some of you are living your life with the accolades of the past. And the Lord is saying, lift up your eyes and see now. Let me tell you, my wife, the way she drives her car, she never uses the rear view mirrors. I always say, babe, you ought to use it. It goes with the car and works. It helps out. And she says, I don't need it. I'm not driving that way. I'm driving that way. Okay, that's a bad driving strategy, all right? But she's still pretty, though. But that's a great kingdom strategy. And some of you, you have what I call backwards vision. You can see everything behind you, good and bad. And the Lord is saying, hey, what do you want me to do for you? It's your move. What do you want? That's the reason why I like your pastor. He's like, he's dreaming bigger dreams than he's ever dreamt before. And there's no way that God has given a vision like that to To the staff here, every campus pastor is exactly the same way. If you weren't going to have to up your game too. So I'm I'm saying to you, there's this guy in the Bible, his name is Blind Bartimaeus. and, And so which tells us two things about him, all right? He was blind and his name was Bartimaeus. Anybody tracking with me so far? So he hears Jesus coming and this guy starts yelling. This It's a very interesting story. He says... Jesus, son of David, have mercy. He's blind, blind Bartimaeus. Have mercy on me. And the people heard him and they said, bro, you need to chill. And they they told him, you got to shut up. In one translation, that's exactly what it says. You need to shut up, bro. That's too loud. And the Bible says he yelled all the more. And and then Jesus stops and walks over to him. And this is where it's very interesting to me because it's almost like It's almost like Jesus didn't have his A game that day because he walks over to who? Blind Bartimaeus. And he says, hey, what do you want me to do for you? Now, I know a lot of people say, Jesus is so tired. He's been busy, busy, busy. He can't, he don't know he's blind. Everybody, Jesus is tired. Y'all need to put Jesus to sleep. Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew that brother's name. He knew his mama's name. 
He knew everything about him. And he certainly knew he was blind. Then why did he ask, what do you want? Because Jesus loves to hear what you're dreaming about. When is the last time you shared your dream with the Lord? Dream dreams for God. Raise your hand if you want to go to heaven someday. You better raise it. Okay, when you get to heaven and you see the enormous, there's no faith in heaven. Have you ever thought about that? We have to use our faith here or there. You can see it all. It's going to be amazing. I think your worship team might be leading up there. But when you see the enormity of God and the majestic side and the power of his name, there's a good chance that it's, I'll tell you one thing. I got a lot of questions, but I believe when I get to heaven, just seeing the presence of God, they're going to all be answered in the first second. But have you ever thought about this? The Bible says that there he's going to wipe away every tear, which I can't prove this theologically, so I don't know if it's right, but I wonder if the reason why we might have a tear that needs to be wiped might be when we see how big he is and we look back to now and we think, why didn't I go for it more? If I would have known he was this big, I would have not. I wouldn't even tie. Every time he gave me an idea, I ran away. Why was I so afraid? If I would have known he was this big. Look, the vision of this church celebration has never been for about 30% of you to have your faith on. It's always been for everybody to have their faith on. What are you dreaming about? The Lord walked up to you and said, what do you want? What do you want me to do? This is exactly what he's saying. And I'm telling you, when you get your A game is when you tell him, Lord, let me tell you what I want. He loves to hear your dream. This is the kind of church where you can come and dream. You don't have to be afraid. Stop being afraid. Let me tell you why you can't be afraid. Because fearful people think, ultimately think that God doesn't care about them. I'll prove it. Jesus said to the disciples, get in the boat. We're going to the other side, boys. And they were going to the other side. They forgot about that word. We're going to the other side. Because in the middle of the water, they, the storm started hitting them. And they freaked out because they know about storms. The enemy will attack you right where you know about And the storm was hitting, and they look over, and Jesus is sleeping. And they're about to die. It's over. You can imagine the wind, the turbulence. And they go over. It probably took a while to get over there. And they they shook Jesus, and that's what they said, because they were afraid. This is what happens when you get afraid. They said, hey, Jesus, we're going to die. Don't you care? Don't you care? Jesus stood up, and he looked at the winds the waves and he said be still immediately peace just can anybody say awkward and he looks over at them and they're just like you know it's like maybe we didn't handle this like I, I wish we would have and Jesus said why are you so afraid you have little faith why are you so afraid I just want to challenge everybody here to get this one dream. This one dream has to be in the middle of what's happening. 
You are made by God to win people to his name. And you will never understand. Let me say, hold on. You will never understand the vision of Celebration Church until you have a broken down friend here. You got to get them here. Because maybe you're not great at sharing the gospel, but this church is really good at it. So you get, they can't get your friend. You get your friend here. And at some point, if you, you bring, because the best campus pastors this church is going to have, they're not even saved. They're smoking pot somewhere right now. I know they are. And you're going to get them here and they're going to get set free. They're going to find Christ and they're going to get in love with him and get, they're going to become the leaders of the city. But you got to get them. You got to be the one to win them. Turn to somebody and say, he is on it now. By the way, there's this guy in the Bible named Joseph. And Joseph was a dreamer. So his brothers, when they were far away, the Bible says that when the brothers were far away, they looked and they saw Joseph. And Joseph was coming. And they elbowed each other and they said, look, the dreamer is coming. Let me just throw this out here. You know who in your family, I don't know what the home you live in looks like. You might have roommates, you might be in college, I don't know. You might have a blended family, might be living with someone. But the people you are close to, you know if they're dreaming or not. And one of the saddest things is when someone has a dream that God has given them and they lay it down. And one of the greatest things is when someone who puts down a dream picks it back up. And I say, pick it up. Pick the dream up. Next thing, it's your move. And this is the one I really came to talk about. I want to talk about this one. It's your move to be sincere in your approach to God. All right? I don't have that much time left, so i got to share this quick. But when I was in Bible school, they taught us to do ministry totally different than, than, than the way Randy does it. They taught us... They do this still to this day sometimes. They, they taught us that if you're going to be in the ministry, you're the anointed one and touch not the anointed. And ministry is lonely. And you have, they even taught us protocol. You, sit, you would sit in, in chairs on the stage away from everybody else. And, and you just, you, you, you couldn't be touched. And, and, it was, and if you had a bad day, you just had to battle it out in prayer. This is what they taught us in Bible school. You can't have friends. Ministry is lonely. Just suck it up and get ready. Now I remember thinking, I'm not going to have any friends. I'm going to hate this. I, want, I need friends. Why can't I have friends? Because you just can't. Okay. So I remember I graduated from Bible school in the same, year, same month as I got married. In the same month, I went into full-time ministry. So they told me, sorry, am I doing something wrong with the mic? I'm sorry about that. But they told me that you can't, you can't open up with anyone. My first year of marriage was horrible. And I remember Michelle and I were fighting all the time. It was mainly the insecurities of me. And I remember we would walk into parties at the church. And I'd put my arm around her and when we would leave, people would say this, they would say, we wish you, we had a marriage like you and Michelle. And I remember thinking, they have no idea. What are they saying? 
because I was faking it. One day my pastor asked me to speak. He said, I, I want you to speak at, at our church. And, and uh, he said, I think it's very important that you, you speak uh, this weekend. I said, Pastor, I've never spoken to 10,000 people before. Uh, are you sure? And he goes, yes. Get a sermon, get on your face before God and get a sermon. So Michelle and I are fighting our first year is wars and rumors of war. You know the scripture says don't go to bed with anger in your heart? We were staying up for like 10, 12 days at a time. <laughs> so we were fighting. So I'm in my room trying to get a sermon. And Michelle, I, walk, I had to go get some water. And I walked through. And my beautiful wife, I hate this story, okay? I'm not proud of this story. But I walked through and she said something to me. And I went off on her. I said, I walked over to her. I said, Michelle, I'm sick of you. I'm a man of God. I'm working on a sermon right now, trying to hear from God. And the way you are, I, I, I just regret being married. You, you need to just shut up. I'm sick of it. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even want to see you. I went and got my water, and I came back, and Michelle looked at me. She goes, can I ask you a question? She goes, who are you? When you were dating me, you were different than you are now. Was that you, or are you you now? When you preach, you act a certain way. Is that you, or is this you? Whenever we go to an event, you have your arm around me. Is that you, or is this you? She goes, I'm with you forever, but I got to know who you are. My wife is so smart. <laughs> and I just looked at her and I said, babe, I, I really don't know. So I went back into my office, and this is where it gets weird, and I don't recommend this, but it'll prove a point how important it is that you get real. Went back into my office, and the Spirit of God spoke to me, and he's, because I said, God, forgive me, something's wrong with me. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. He said, I forgive you. And so does your wife. But when you preach at the church this weekend, I want you to tell them how you yelled at your wife in the living room. Okay, now the battle's on. It's like, Lord, I can't do that. I'm a pastor. God, they, that's not how you do ministry. They taught us at Bible school never to be open about stuff like that. God, you need to go to Bible school. They'll clear that up in the first semester they deal with that stuff. So I decided not to do it because I was afraid. And while I was preaching, it was going so bad that I literally said, Hey, everybody, this isn't going so good, is it? And simultaneously they yelled, No, it's not. So I just couldn't take it anymore. So I thought this was my last sentence or two in ministry. And I closed my Bible and I looked at Michelle. Well, I told them first, I told them the story that I just told you about Michelle. Except now it's 29 years ago. Yeah. Then it was the day before. So it's over for me, I'm thinking. I think I thought they were going to carry me out in handcuffs. <laughs> so I look at Michelle and I said, Michelle, will you forgive me? I wish I could describe this the way it happened, but Michelle, first of all, she's looking at me like. <laughs> and I told her, I said, babe, this is me. 
This is me. And she's crying. And, and then I thought it was over in ministry for me. But let me just tell you that the best part is I felt the arms of God around me like, this is my boy. This is my boy. This is my boy. This is the move. This is how you... This is the reason why so many of us are not tight with God because we're not giving him the truth. So my wife and I got better. It wasn't immediate, but then we were counseling this girl and this is the darkest part. And we were trying to help this girl and she was depressed and Michelle and I spent 100 hours counseling her precious girl. And one day I was just in a bad mood and I said, I said, Elise, I don't really know if you're that depressed. I think you're just coming over here to hang out with us because you're lonely. And she got, she jumped up. She goes, you're the one person I thought got me. And I said, no, I understand. I I didn't mean it. She got up and she left. She went home and found her dad's pistol and stuck it in her mouth and she blew her brains out. Now, listen, guys, I'm not trying to be dramatic. It's just a story, but it happened. And I, and I know I killed her with my words in a way I did. But when that happened, I died on the inside, totally dead. And some of you are totally dead in your spirit. The problem is the next six months, I realized no one in the entire world knows that I'm dead because I can fake this thing so well. And then I realized how lonely I was. I called a friend up on the phone and I said, man, I got to talk to you. And I told him the rest of the story. I'm going to tell you, I've done it being fake and I've done it real. And real is way better. Way better. It's the reason why in the early church, God's original design, you can see they, get, they had the power of God, they had the presence of God, but it was all so they could be sincere and have the strength to go out. And they were winning people, sometimes thousands a day because they were sincere. So I'm encouraging you. Listen, this is the type of church when you get in trouble, you don't have to run away church I grew up in, we had to, the last thing you want is my Sunday school teacher to know what we were doing wrong at the house. This is the kind of church, if you can just get to the church, if you could just get to the church, you just got to get to the church, get to the church. You get up on a Sunday morning, this tip of the day, and you don't feel just right, like the wind's blowing to the north and you don't like that, or whatever it is, you just get to the church get to the church because this is where the presence of God is stirred up. The church is strong. It's the bride of Christ. He loves the church. If you come to my house and you say, Rick, I like you, but I hate your bride, I'm going to pepper spray your face off. I want you to love me and my bride. Can somebody say amen? Amen. I'm telling you right now, you're not going to enjoy being a Christian until you start winning friends to God. Some of you are going to heaven, but you're not enjoying the trip. If you get real and you become a soul winner, I'm just telling you, you won't be able to sleep and like, I can't wait to get up tomorrow. You won't even have it. You hate your job. You'll still have the same job. You'll you'll hate where you live. You'll still live there, but all of a sudden you'll love it. 
because there'll be people around you're trying to win. It's, it's the purpose of God. Amen? Y'all stand up. I want to I close this out. Can I have two more minutes? My, my daughter, when she, my daughter's the strongest willed person. Raise your hand if you're strong willed. Okay, the real strong willed people, they ain't raising a hand unless they want to. My daughter's so strong willed. When she was four years old, she saw a Hallmark movie where the girl ran away from home and she thought, wow, that looks fun. I'm adventurous. I want to do it, but I don't want to do it when I'm 13. I want to do it now. But my parents are always watching, so I'm going to have to do it at night. When they sleep, they're not paying attention. And I don't want to go alone, so I'm going to bring my two-year-old brother with me. So she packed a wagon before she went to sleep. She put his diapers in there, her dolls, and Skittles. You can't go anywhere without M&Ms and Skittles. So she went to bed, and in the middle of the night, she woke up. Not an alarm clock. She's four. Her will woke her up. Like, boom, it's time. Okay, so she goes in there and gets her little brother. He goes, go without me. I'm too sleepy. She said, loser, left him there. She grabbed the wagon. We're sleeping. She got, left our cul-de-sac, grabbed her little wagon in her nightie. And she, she walked down to the end of the road and took a right and then another right and then a left all the way out of our subdivision to a four-lane highway. Busy street. She turned left there. She ended up a mile from our house. And a lady pulled over and said... Young lady, what are you doing? She said, I'm running away from home, and this is so much fun. And the lady said, I don't think you should be doing Get in the car. I'm going to take you back home. No, ma'am, I'm not allowed to ride in a car with strangers. But you can walk freely down this road. Your family, woo, your family's messed up. So my daughter decided to turn around, and this lady followed her. My daughter's pulling a wagon. She's in a car followed my daughter all the way back home. Middle of the night, there was a knock on the door. I said, Michelle, did you hear that? No, I, I didn't hear that. I heard it again. Michelle, somebody's at the door. Go see who it is. <laughs> that didn't happen, so I went out. She came with me, and I said, who is it? I couldn't see who it was. And she said, it sounds like I have your daughter. I said, ma'am, I don't know who you are, but you don't have my daughter. My daughter's sleeping upstairs, and you need to back off. No, no, I think I have your daughter. I said, ma'am, I don't know who you are, but you don't have my daughter. And then I heard my daughter, who was upstairs sleeping. Dad, open the door. It's me. (laughs) Open it. There she was with this lady who I'd never seen. And I started shaking. They told me everything that you now know. And Michelle and I just thanked the lady. I gave her stuff like my house. Just thinking her. And then we went inside. Okay? That's the end of the story. Here's what I want to give you, and then I'm out of here. If my daughter wouldn't have come home, I'd still be living in that cul-de-sac in Zachary, Louisiana. Probably still have a house phone, and every time it would ring, I would run to the phone. I'd be the first. I'd get to the phone. I'd get to that phone. I would pick my friends based on who was helping me find my daughter. And thus you have the church. The church is nothing more than a bunch of people trying to find some lost boys and girls who have wandered around without it. 
thieves. Let's be real. Let's dream dreams. And let's win souls for God. Amen. Come on, Holy Spirit. Jesus. Praise God. Reach back up to the Lord and we're going to believe for this. Lord, your word says to cast our concerns at your feet. And Lord, we know that means to drop them. And Lord, we're not going to go home fake anymore. And Lord, I pray these people will be sincere and real. Thank you so much for your hand on this church. And Lord, I know these are the best days of this church. The story of this church, it's all about you. Just like Randy gave you so much glory today. It was amazing. But I pray that everybody will have a dream. Right in the middle of the vision of this church. Don't let us say in four months and then we'll do something. But no, lift up our eyes now. The harvest is right now. It's ready now. They are helpless. They're sheep without a shepherd. Let us go and get them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Celebration Church. I love you. is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.